Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 17 is a powerful start for my message. And I want to talk to you about being rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. Everybody say rooted and grounded. And um, they're similar, but they're also different. And I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit. And the goal is to uh, steer you toward this. So, uh, you know, I lived uh, in the Southwest, and uh, we we drove over to Arizona, and uh, we just saw tumbleweed after tumbleweed blowing across the prairie, you know, like the proverbial country, uh, you know, cowboy movie. And um, you'd see a you'd see a get stuck in the in the fences, and they had no roots, and they're dry, bone dry, and they're detached, and um, that's the way some people are sometimes. That God does not want us to be tumbleweeds blowing, tossed to and fro. We just had 65 mile per hour winds in parts of our area today, and uh, you know uh, when you're rooted uh, and grounded, you can withstand that sort of thing. Right? And so here's the prayer of Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 3. It says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Boy, this is... This is like a, this is like a, this is a bone-in ribeye right here. There's a lot of meat on this bone. I, I think we need to, we need to go back and chew this again. That he would grant you. Now this is Paul preaching to the church at Ephesus, praying for them, and uh, this is a letter to them. But this is what he, in his moment, he was praying while he was writing this epistle, and this, because this is God's word and it's timeless, and it's forever settled in heaven, and it's written to the church at Ephesus, they're all dead, but we're alive, so now we get to pick this up. And this is actually pertaining to us, right? So I pray that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. You'd be strengthened on the inside of your spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Isn't it fascinating that we have Jesus living on the inside of us? I came to the ladies' meeting uh, to support my wife, and, you know, there was a great crowd. And my wife just moved in different zones, and one of the places she hit on was how we're loved by God, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you. That's what this verse says. Uh, You know, there's another verse in Colossians that says, The mystery of the ages is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is where Christianity goes from just religious rhetoric or theology to experience and, and, a, and a new birth and a, and, a, and, and a person who is dead and trespasses and sins but is made alive in God. And there's a new birth. He said you must be born again. And when there's that new birth, there's a heart change. He takes away a stony heart and gives us a new heart, right? Isn't that exciting? Aren't you happy about that? And, uh, you know, I've got a brother here that's battling f- some physical heart stuff. So he's probably got an extra sensitivity to me teaching about the heart. Because uh, he knows probably more than a lot of us, what we take for granted, 
he's been made aware of just how important that, that muscle is in the middle of his chest. But when we read about the heart, the hidden man of the heart, it's, it's also it's talking not just about that physical heart, but our spirit being, our spirit. And we are spirits. We have souls, intellects, emotions, minds, thinking faculties, our will. And we live inside these bodies. Tap yourself on the knee. That's your body. That's your, that's your knee. And uh, say hi to your left foot. Wave to your, well, have your left foot wave back. Wave Wave to your, and, 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 and the eye, tell your, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, right? Because the eye doesn't have a mouth. But sometimes, right? Giving you some revelation here, man. It's an anatomy lesson. But that God would strengthen you with power. I love the idea of being strong instead of being weak. And in Hebrews 11, it says, out of weakness, they were made strong. And we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But in Zechariah 4, 6, he says, it's not by might or not by power, but it's by his spirit. So, th- so really what we're talking about with strength and with power is the grace of God and, and the spiritual muscle that comes to us. You know, I was praying today with my wife here and I was alone for a while and I was just going through, you know, how God is helping me to mature. I want to conform to his image some of the baggage and some of the dysfunction from my, my life, you know, that is, is on a process of being resolved. And, my, you know, I'm just, I was just talking to God about it. Aren't you glad we could talk to God about that stuff? And he's not like, what? I didn't know that. He knows everything about us, right? And he's not like, yeah, because of that, I don't even want to talk to you. You know, he's not like that either. He, in fact, I'm convinced, wants us to be honest with him and honest with ourselves but honestly, when Paul prays this, this brings us into a place of uh, raising the bar and uh, going, uh, shooting for this target. And he says, man, I, I, I pray, you know, for, and he says that to the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Everyone emanates from that original Adam and Eve and then after Noah's Ark, Noah. And that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. He's not depleted. He's rich in mercy. And another scripture, he's rich in his glory. He's got so much glory. And he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 17. This is what I'm going for. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Everybody say, rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. grounded. So I looked this up, and uh, rooted, the the Greek word is ridzuo, ridzuo. And it means to take root and begin to grow. And it means to be solid. And, um, you know, you think about, the sower sows the word and seeds, God's word is seed. And in the imagery of Mark chapter 4, Jesus taught the parable of the soil and the seed, right? And he called our hearts or our spirit being uh, soil. And, you know, I grew up with a dad who enjoyed uh, yard work and planting, and he would, you know, do all that. And so I learned a little bit about it. And, um, you know, for example, I would, he would say, I want you to, he'd buy plants and, you know, ornamental flowers and some small trees and things and, 
and fruit trees. A cactus, you know, those were fun to try to plant, you know. They fought back. Uh, but, uh, you know, he'd have me get a post hole digger, and I would dig a hole in that, that hard, sandy, uh, rocky San Diego soil, and I would, you know, the, the, the handles of the post hole digger were bigger than my arms, you know, so I was holding those things, and I was trying to fight against it. I'm thinking, doesn't my dad realize this is against all the laws of physics? But anyway, so I, I, I would dig a hole, and I would plop the plant in it, and, uh, and I'd, I'd cover it with dirt, and he'd say, no, because I dug it the size of the, the planter. And he said, uh, you know, no, go back and dig it double the width and, and twice as deep. And, and I was like, well, why? You know, and he said, because the roots need somewhere to go. And this soil is so hard that, you know, you gotta, you got to take it out, and then we've got to put some uh, fertilizer in there, we've got to put some topsoil in there and get that sandy hard rock soil out of there so it'll give it a chance to grow. So I learned something about planting. And the Bible says that uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, that Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. So God is, uh, he, he's the, the one verse says he's the husbandman. In John chapter 15, he says that, that uh, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and he is the gardener. And you are, we are God's garden, right? And he wants us to till the soil of our heart. And that, so we're praying, you know, tonight we're praying that God will help us. In fact, let's put our hands on our, our, our chest right here and just believe God with me. Say, Father, stir up a hunger in me. Help me in this process of maturity. I am trusting you to help me to be rooted and grounded. Jesus name. Another thing my dad taught me about about watering. Paul planted, Apollos watered. Um, I used to just he made made us water. We lived in an arid uh, climate, you know, so you had to water the plants. Sometimes it wouldn't rain for a long period of time there. So I, we'd be out there with a the garden hose, uh, watering, and you know we we would just want to just get as much water as we thought it needed around the the base of the. The, the trunk of whatever the plant was. And my dad says, no, you, you've, gotta, you've got to give the roots incentive to go out beyond. If you just keep watering in the center of it, it's going to get root bound because wa- it'll go where the water is. So you've got to water it wide and deep. So, you know, here my dad is telling me to dig basically a $10 hole for a $5 plant. He's telling me to go twice as wide and twice as deep, and then he's telling me, don't just water it, a little spot water, let it soak. And we would soak things overnight. And, um, you know, this is, I think, the way Paul is praying here, so that we would be rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded. Rooted, Colossians 2.7 is uh, similar to this. Colossians 2.7, that's another epistle to another group of people the Colossian church. And he says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. I heard somebody say this once. Um, uh, As with the roots, uh, so with the fruits. Meaning, root life is every bit as important 
even though it's subterranean and we don't see it, it's not as flashy. Uh, you know, you, you see a beautiful tree. I mean, we have Shaw Garden here, and we have some trees here that are just outstanding. You can go to places like Hawaii and see some of these uh, uh, trees that, are, that have been there for 150 years that fill the whole city square. There's one in Maui that's just, un, it's just breathtaking how big this tree is. But I'm told that, that mirror, the, the roots mirror what you see on the top. And um, I believe, you know, because we're the planting of the Lord, he's interested, very interested in our longevity and our sustainability. He doesn't want us to be those trees like we see where the soil gets a little wet and the wind blows and a beautiful 150-year-old oak tree in somebody's yard in Webster Groves falls over and you see that the roots were just a little tiny little ball. There's a tap root and there are these extension roots and roots are important. And uh, so everybody say rooted and grounded. So this says, having been firmly rooted and being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So this is my aim tonight, is just to just get you focused on um, letting your roots go down deep, letting your roots catch. And uh, tumbleweeds, just they just blow in the wind. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they've got quite a predicament. They're detached, and they're subject to whatever the, the circumstance. But not, a, not, not when we're the planting of the, the Lord. He calls us oaks of righteousness. He doesn't call, call us detached tumbleweeds. He calls us oaks of righteousness, right? The planting of the Lord, and we're planted by the waters. And when you're planted by the waters, you have the assurance of hydration, right? So Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God, he causes the growth. Have you ever uh, seen uh, white carnations that the florist has taken water and put, dissolved some uh, food coloring in? Has anyone ever seen that? And then you put the, a white carnation in, uh, in blue water and it'll pull up through that, that stem and you'll see these the, uh, kind of amazing uh, little... Uh, little sort of fingers or through little, the little lines and the veins up in the petals. Uh, you could do it with red. You could do it with yellow. You could do it with purple. In, in fact, uh, uh, our family bought some flowers on vacation, and uh, we bought different flowers for different people. We picked them, and, you know, there, there were some that just, you know, they were natural colors, muted nature colors, and then there were these Kool-Aid colors, you know. And, and that came from the planting into that, drawing from what was in the water. And I really do believe that we, um, to a high degree, um, reflect what we're feeding on. And so Paul's praying that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Paul's praying that, you know, I'm planted in Apollos water, but God's the one that causes the growth. Jesus is the one that said to us, the sower sows the word, and, you know, he sowed the word, and some fell on the wayside, and the birds got it, and some got a stony ground, some went into thorns and thistles, and it, and it you know, it, it worries and cares choked the word, made it unfruitful. Then he said there's, there's a place where there's good tilled soil, receptive soil, where the seed found, nestled its way into a good place, and it yielded th- fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. 
And that is the aspiration Jesus has for his people. And that is the aspiration Paul had for the early church. And that is to be our aspiration. So when my dad would go to the nursery and spend that money to buy those plants, and then he had hired, uh, uh, child labor laws were broken, but he hired my brother and me to do the planting. And then he supervised. He was great at, you know, he knew, he, he knew what he wanted, you know. And, uh, it, and it was to, to dig a, di- a deeper hole and dig a wider hole. And a lot of times we wonder in our, our lives, why are things taking so long? What, what's, what's, what's working here? And, you know, the central um, thing in your destiny that it says in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, about your destiny is to conform to the image of Jesus, right? That's a big deal. And he said, whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. Uh, let's see, see if it's, if it's 29 or 28. Yeah, predestined to become conformed to the image of his son uh, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So we are on a quest, and I think this is ex- precisely why Paul prayed that, uh, that there, there would be a strengthening, a might, by his spirit in the inner man. We need it, don't we? Oh, there's so many battles. There's so much naysaying. People, you know, people will turn on you. You're looking, you're going along and you think, well, what's going on? And it's like we need to be strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would be able to comprehend with all the saints. Getting back to chapter 3, verse uh, 17. Rooted and grounded in love. By the way, God is love, right? Why does it say rooted and grounded in love? Why, does it say, why doesn't it say rooted and grounded in knowledge? Knowledge is good, but knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, right? Let everything you do be done in love, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love, right? And when you lapse out of the love walk, you got to get back in it, Um that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Isn't it a trip? He's praying that we'll know something that surpasses knowing. I pray you know something that passes knowing. So that, that, that invites us to, only God can do stuff like that. Like you, you can't, it's just like bridling the tongue. You know, we're supposed to bridle the tongue and it says it in loads of places. And then in James chapter three, it says any animal can be tamed and has been tamed by, by human humanity, but the tongue, no man can tame. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, I thought you just said we're supposed to bridle our tongue. So then it's like, help me, Lord Jesus, Right. That's what it's saying there, because we still have to bridle our tongue. Well, I'm off the hook, because it says, you're telling me to bridle my tongue, but I can't, so it's impossible. So, but with God, all things are possible. We can have a bridled tongue. We can walk the love walk. We can, we can overcome. You know, I walk around praying, and I'm with myself, and I'm thinking, you know, I present myself to the Lord, and we have this conversation, and I, I stand on these promises, and I just invite him into the areas where, they, uh, there's some deficiency. And I just say, thank you, Lord. You're helping me out, right? Isn't that the truth? And that's good news. And people that are lost 
need to know there are people that are in these processes of maturity and growth so that they're like, wow, there's hope for me. Instead of, uh, we're holier than thou and we've arrived, it's like, oh, yeah, right. You know, it, it, no, what it is is, man, we have discovered a Savior who saves people from their sins. He is, his, it's practical and how fulfilling it is to walk with Jesus. I had my stem in the wrong color Kool-Aid, man. And that's why my petals look like this. But now Jesus took me out of that messy stuff and put me in the crystal clear blue rivers of living water and he restored my soul renewed my mind though my sins were as scarlet as strawberry kool-aid now they've been made white as snow hallelujah that is good news praise the lord thank you jesus grounded grounded the the word is themeliuo (laughs) it's like ali aliu and it means well-balanced and sensible. Grounded means well-balanced and sensible. I want to say this. It's easy to be extreme. It's hard to be balanced. Because you could just be, you know, left or right, angled in some kind of extremist ways through life. But to, to stay balanced is, is very important. Uh, mentally and emotionally stable, admirably sensible. I've been, I watched a, an interview, and the interviewers were sort of having a hard time trying to interview this interviewee, but the interviewee was just admirably sensible. And even when the interviewers were grasp, you know, grappling, trying to figure out how to form a, a good question, he was not disrespectful to them. He smiled, and even, even when it was awkward, and he, 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 okay, thanks for the question, and he bought a little bit of time, and he was admirably sensible. Everybody say admirably sensible. Boy, there needs to be more of that admirable sensibility in society, and it might as well start with us, and um, we can uh, take hold of this because Paul prayed that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. We'd be, we'd be so deep in it and so solid with it and um, realistic and unpretentious. Re- uh, you know, you get around people that are, I think about Bill Kirchhoff, my neighbor, that sold us the eight acres over here. And I knew him from when, 93 when we were going to City Hall and we were, he was, I think, I think he was, he was on some... Uh, Either he was a city council person or he was in some sort of a zoning commission or something. But he was an pr- important person there, and he was in the dais up in the t- chairs. And, and he just had this um, manner about him, and he still does. And I just think the world of him. You know, I'll go hug him, and he's not a hugger. It just freaks him out. You know, it's like, it, it, he'll, he'll go, oh, hi, Pastor Jeff. You know, it's like I, I, I just and, – uh, and maybe I'm not being uh, admirably sensible at that point, but uh, – I'm rooted and grounded in love, so let's bring it on, brother. But uh, I, I love the uh, unpretentious realism of the guy. Like we went through, um, remember when we went through that whole deal, and he, 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 had, he cried, and he said, I am so sorry they're giving you this runaround and they're treating you like this. I'm so sorry about the city council. Because he, he had been in it for 25 years, and he 
they were being so nitpicky and silly, and it was playing. A, it was tragic, and that's why we should pray for those in authority over us, so we can get some things accomplished and not run into these kinds of of uh, situations. So, I'm rooted and grounded in love, so I'm going to stay on the love walk right here, and uh, look at Colossians one twenty three. Colossians one twenty three, and uh, we're talking about being grounded, and it says, it says. Uh, It says in verse 21, it says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaging in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, look at this, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Did you hear what Jesus did? He took that Jeff Perry out of that Kool-Aid water and put me over in the clean water and made me a new creature. He he transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of his dear son. And uh, look at this. This is so good. Uh, It says... uh, where, what verse was I at? 22? So that we'd be holy and blameless. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast. Firmly established and steadfast. Now that's synonymous with, with being rooted and grounded, isn't it? If you continue. You know, that's one of my favorite words. They continually offered up. The, they, they, they listened to the apostles' teaching. They continued to pray. They continue to fellowship, right? Continuing. We are the people that continue. To be continued. We're not abbreviated. We're not just a a quick little flash in the pan. This is a a long haul, right? This is a marathon we're running. And he says, uh, established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Boy, there's so many things trying to vie for people's attention. Get all caught up in myths and endless genealogies and fantasies and all kinds of theories and things like that. But this is solid. And he says, stay with the gospel. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And he says, and that I, Paul, was made a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Uh, and in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed upon me for your benefit. So this is what Paul's saying to the Colossians, that I'm giving my heart to this so you guys can be rooted and grounded, and so that... Uh, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So there has to be a base that's solid, and that base is called the local church, and the foundation is Jesus, the chief cornerstone, and our mission is in this Genesis to Revelation document called the Bible, and he is calling us out of detachment, and into being rooted and grounded. I'm the planting of the Lord. 
And uh, we're not buried. You don't bury seed. You plant seed. You bury dead people, but you plant seed, right? Say, well, I've just been buried. I've just been. No, you're plant. You're the planting of the Lord. Planting, there's an expectation that there will be growth. Say, I'm the planting of the Lord. And I heard. Listen, I heard that there's a there's some kind of a. You could check this, fact check this, but there's some kind of bamboo a certain species of bamboo that the seeds or whatever it does starts to grow and the you don't see it for a long period of time. And, and all of a sudden, it shoots up, and in some places, like I think it's like Indonesia and Southeast Asia, it'll grow 18, a stalk will grow 18 inches a day. And you can look it up, but it, there's a name for it, and it takes years and all of a sudden, it's like you're standing around, and all of a sudden, you better get out of the way, because it's like, whoa, where'd that bamboo come from? I'll tell you another thing that's powerful about seeds, and a lot of you've seen this. People have laid asphalt and even concrete in places. Have you seen this? And a seed would push through uh, a little seed, the little seed that could. Now, we're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's the most powerful element in existence. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Word is powerful. It doesn't return to an empty without accomplishing what it's been set to do. So here we are wanting and desiring to be rooted and grounded, right? And to be steadfast and to be immovable and to be solid. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And let's read verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5 is good. Everybody say rooted and grounded. That's a whole lot better than being a tumbleweed. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5, 10. And he says, uh, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace... And this is in every trial, and every battle, after you've been through a thing or two, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, what will he do? He will himself perfect and confirm and strengthen and establish you. You could take that and preach that. What will he do after you've been through a thing or two? What, what's the outcome? He'll perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Say it. Perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's perfecting, confirming, strengthening, and establishing you. Oh, I love that. That's just so strong, man. I love it. Michael J. Fox, the uh, famous actor, uh, Back to the Future and so forth, he said, I'm careful not to confuse excellence with perfection. He says, excellence I can reach for. Perfection is God's business, right? So we excel, and, and we, we, we look for the potential of uh, God causing a breakthrough in the battles that you've, after a little while, after the stuff you've been through, he'll perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I think Michael J. Fox is right. God, it, the perfection stuff is God's business. And we are actually being worked on by him. 
and all the garbage that comes our way. And, then we, and, and, and that's why when we pray, I, I heard one great minister who prayed a lot, who was pastor over the largest church in the history of Christianity up to that point. And he said the first hour of his prayer, he's walking through his own car- carnality. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a bad confession. But then I, I would start praying, and I thought, God, forgive me, and oh, man, and, ooh. You know, and, then, and, and you, go, you enter in with thanksgiving, and you worship him. We're not to be overly introspective, but nor are we to get in denial about this stuff. We're to be, right? We're to be real. Like, God, I'm sorry I judged, or I'm sorry that I got an unbelief, or I'm sorry I got carnal there. And, we, and repentance, that's one of the promises that are yes and amen. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, hallelujah, of all unrighteousness. Yeah. High five the person next to you. If they didn't do it, yeah, yeah, get them going. Uh, if you're married to him, kiss him on the mouth right now. Everybody say rooted and grounded. So now I've got just one more scripture. You have time for one more scripture? My son Kingston prayed over me for my birthday. And uh, this prompted in my spirit, and it fits right now. Second Timothy chapter one, Second Timothy chapter one, and I want to read something to you uh, that I think is fantastic about the generational blessing of uh, Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy's mother was Jewish; his father was a Greek, and he was encouraging Timothy, and he says, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing you. You're, you know, this guy was important to Paul. He was a true son in the faith. And he says, for I am, in verse 5, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. That just shows generational impact, repercussive impact, the domino effect from generation to generation, right? That shows me whole households can be saved. That shows me a good man, in this case, a good woman leaves an inheritance for her children's children. God bless Lois and Eunice, right? Those are some kicking names. And they, they poured into Timothy. Timothy was something. And then he says in verse 6, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So, so you, you've got the word in you. The, the legitimate outpouring and impartation is there. You've got substance in your life, young man. You've got a heritage from your grandmother and your mother. You've got the word in you. I prayed over you. I laid hands on you. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Bible and man, but yet you've got to stir up that thing that's on the inside of you. And he's saying that to us tonight. We got to, you, you know, I, I, you get a fire going and it, it, it roars, but after a while, it, after it burns, the ash starts to su- smother itself. A fire can actually smother itself out. But man, if you get that poker and you stir it up, everybody say, stir it up. Stir it up. Little darling, stir it up. Come on, let's get some Bob Marley going. And uh, what happens? The fire just starts. And I love getting. I love closing my eyes and covering up my eyelashes and eyebrows so it doesn't burn. I love just getting that fire going. And if the truth be told, I'll take a, I'll take a blow dryer and when I'm lighting a fire outside, 
And I'll, let, I'll get it going, man, with that blow dryer. It becomes like a furnace. You know, they've got these, uh, what, for, Forge of Fire? What's that show? What's that called? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much make that when I'm getting ready to make a barbecue. And I'll just get, I'll stoke that thing, and it's like, wow, it's awesome. And I feel like I'm doing that in this church right now to you. You know, well, what's, what's happening to me? God's kindling afresh the gift that's in us. He's stirring it up. I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. I'm bringing some good word to you. Ephesians 3. You could pray it. I pray it all the time. I pray it for you guys. I pray it for my family, for myself. That, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Say rooted and grounded. And so then he says here, stir it up. And then he says, verse 7, here it is. Read it out loud together with me. Chapter 2, or chapter 1. 2 Timothy, verse 7, hallelujah. It's worth waiting for. Say this with me. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. I love that. Now let's look at it in the King James. It's it's more, I think, weighty in the King James. Because it says, say it, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Kiss your wife again. That's pretty good stuff. So this is a very important thing. Look, the fears that are hassling you right now, you're going to have to deal with them. Since they're not from God and it's called a spirit, we're to resist those things, right? There aren't, you know, look, Marilyn Hickey did a study because she got frustrated because people were saying spirit of this and spirit of that. Recently, a pastor taught a great message on the spirit of Jezebel and he started and it was really solid. He said, there's no phrase in the Bible called the spirit of Jezebel, but I'm using this as a phrase to get an idea over to you. But in, in fact, you won't find in your concordance a spirit of Jezebel. But in the, in the charismatic Pentecostal church I'm part of, you, you have to be careful. I remember somebody that, well, that person had a spirit of retail. They kept going to the mall and buying stuff. Um, you know, somebody glanced at a girl. He has a spirit of blonde hair, stuff like that. I heard people say that. I heard people say that. And it's like Marilyn Hickey was starting to pull her hair out of her head over it. So she looked up. From Genesis to Revelation, and she's a thorough student of the words, an amazing woman, still alive in her 90s. Um, And she identified what spirits there are. Like there's a spirit of infirmity. That's real. And, you know, uh, but there's a spirit of fear, right? And so when you hear people, well, you 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 have a spirit of rejection. I've heard people say that. And actually, there's no such thing as a spirit of rejection. So people, oh, I have a, somebody prophesied I have a spirit of rejection. I'm going to go to a delivered session. No, what it is is you have self-fulfilling prophecy of not developing your social skills and you're alienating people and you're, you're, you have a chip on your shoulder. You're probably dealing with a lot of insecurity and you're awkward and you're making people feel weird and you think it's a spirit of, ins- of, of rejection. Did I just preach all that? Did I just call it out? Because this will help you. I'm not trying to be mean. Because you're going, 
I feel like that was rejection just now. I'm not rejecting you. I'm trying to get you out of it. Smile more. Get some, get some breath mints and smile. And, you know, I, listen, uh, the, 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 the singer Meatloaf said he stayed away from parties because he had such a hard time in social situations. So you see this guy literally larger than life, and he would just explode in his persona in his, his like, the, he, like he, he almost did operatic Pavarotti-type theatrical stuff with his friend uh, Stein, Jim Steinman. And, and, but yet he was, like, shy, you know, and he, he, would, he didn't know what to say at parties. And that's not a spirit of rejection. That's just, that's just uh, being handicapped and not having developed... Uh, he developed muscle on how to be a performer, but, he, but by his own admission, he's since passed... But he, uh, and I heard this from his own words, that, you know, this was something that that was awkward. So this is why church is so wonderful, because this is how the world and all we're as disciples, that we have love for one another. We're all so different from each other. We're thrown into the body, and we're so different. And I love the the diversity of the church. I, I love it. I love that. The age expanse, I love the ethnicity thing, I love gender, male, female, all that. I love the whole thing, you know, because God then insists that we who maybe interrupt too much in a conversation learn to listen more. And that we that are painfully quiet and create awkwardness and make other people have to double up the talking, maybe we should interject. Well, I have a spirit of rejection, so I can't do that, and I don't, appreci- I don't appreciate you taking that away from me. It's a demon. No, it's not. There's no such thing as a spirit of rejection. I mean, I told, I told a pastor and his wife that what ha- my wife wanted me to tell him about how my, my biological father arranged for an abortionist to come and tw- twice tried to abort me, uh, you know, and, and uh, the, the pastor's wife said, Oh, I bet that produced a spirit of rejection. I looked at her and I thought, there's no such thing as a spirit of rejection. (laughs) Actually, I don't feel rejected. I feel like I just made it through. I feel like God's, I'm sliding into home base with my cleats out. Hallelujah. Woo. I don't feel rejected. God delivered me. It's the opposite. A spirit of rejection. I just was eating. I went, I had my fork half. I didn't say anything, but that's what I thought. Hallelujah. And it would blow your mind if I told you who it was. Anyway, uh, but yet God has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Power is the Greek word. We know it. Dunamis. That's where, who was it? Was it, who was it that developed Dynamite. Was it Pulitzer or who? Nobel. That's right, Nobel. And then he wanted to counter it with a peace prize since he made stuff that blew stuff up. So I think I'll give a peace prize and counterbalance that I made this explosive. Uh, So, yeah, dunamis. And here's the definition. Miraculous abilities. He's given us, and it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of Power and love and a sound mind. It doesn't even say a spirit of power. It just says, but of power and love 
and discipline. So God has given us power. Instead of the spirit of fear, he's actually given us, and we all love this word empowerment. That's just basically God giving us the power. Hallelujah. He's not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. And in fact, other definitions for dunamis, mighty, miracle-working strength. Say it. Mighty, miracle-working strength. See, I'm just pulling your carnation out of all that crazy colored water. I'm getting you back in the living water. Okay? And it's going to bring it up into your petals, and it's going to bring it up into your thought processes. Love is the word agape. Everybody say agape. This is... This was, we had, you know, bell bottoms, blue jeans in the Jesus movement, and we, we agape, and we had Jesus fish that said agape in it, and, and every, people had agape shirts and stuff. Um, what it really is is a Greek word that, uh, and actually it was used in Greek vernacular generally, but it became, like so many words, it became sort of owned by Christianity. It had been used in other areas in Greek uh, thought, but it Jesus used it to distinguish. There are four kinds of love in Greek. There's eros, which is the, the love between a husband and wife, the romance, the intimacy. There's uh, storge, um, and that is sort of a friendship type of love. It's a, it's a, uh, a kind of a warmth and a, kind of a, a connection and, and hugs. It's like when I hug uh, Bill Kirchhoff. And then uh, there's phileo. Phileo, like the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's, it's, a, it's a human friendship, fellowship, love, fel, uh, brotherly love. And then agape is, is the, what is more considered the God kind of love. The, the, um, the loving um, uh, unconditionally. The eros has the condition of being in a marriage between a husband, man, and a woman. The, the, the storge and the phileo, there are conditions of friendship. Agape is like, I, we're supposed to agape our enemies. It's not like I want to give you a warm hug. Uh, you know, I do around your neck. But, you know, I'm not going to because Jesus won't let me. Right? Jesus won't let me. And there's no such thing as a spirit of choking. Oh, I had a spirit of choking, Pastor. No, you didn't. You just wanted to choke them. It's your flesh. And, by the way, don't. I'm helping somebody in here. Uh, and lastly, the sound mind, it's, just, it's defined in my New American as d- discipline. You know, self-discipline, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. But uh, I love it in the King James, sound mind. I said, boy, that gets back down to being rooted and grounded. It's very similar. And um, it's uh, sophronismos, sophronismos. And uh, it comes from the word sophron, which means discreet, sober, temperate, discreet. Discreet is one of my favorite words. When people are discreet, they're thinking before they say something. And, uh, and, and, and I, I like grounded, the definition for grounded that I like is well-balanced and sensible, mentally and emotionally stable, admirably sensible. So husbands and wives, listen, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So you can be admirably sensible. And I've learned, haven't I, Patsy? I've become admirably sensible in my marriage. Like there are just places I'm just, 
where angels fear to tread. And I would be out there treading in there, and the angels would go, I'm not going there. My angels that are assigned to help me don't tread there. So I'm like out there, well, what are you, help me. I'm way out there, man, with my lady. No man's land. No angel's land. Angels fear to tread. So I've learned some things. How many of you have learned some things? I like what Michael J. Fox said, you know, that we pursue excellence. God will, God, the, God will help us to perfect and develop us, right? Stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you. Uh, we're going to be having some breakthrough in this tonight. I pray God revives you. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. Look at somebody next to you and say, Man, we just broke that spirit of rejection because there, in fact, isn't one. So now we're accepted in the beloved so we could flow vertically with God because Jesus died and broke the barrier between a holy God and fallen humanity. And if you haven't gotten saved to receive Jesus, do it now. And you can experience the joy of getting delivered out of darkness and brought into his kingdom. There's a new birth and God promises it that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's found that to be the case? And so then we want to keep our rededicator constantly going, right? So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I pray I'd be rooted and grounded in the love of God, solid, roots down deep, drinking from the wells of salvation, balanced, discreet, walking in love. Help me, Jesus, in my coping skills, in the development of my prayer life, in my witness to the lost. Stir up the gifts in me, Lord. Kindle afresh the gift of God in me. Say this with me. And my God shall supply all of my needs, all of our needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah.